Well, as promised, we are continuing our sermon series on time, talent, and treasure, and we're kicking it off with a classic. That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. It's really not that confusing, but we sure make it that way sometimes, don't we? <laughs> Time, talent, and treasure is what we say here at WordServe because that's what we talk about when we talk about stewardship and about giving. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about your time, the time that we devote to God. We're talking about your, your talents, the way that God has made you, has wired you, the experiences that God has given you, all these things that you can give back to God. And, of course, we talk about treasure because ultimately, Ministry takes money. That's just the way that this thing works. But here's the difference. Ministry taking money does not mean that we're going to guilt you into giving money. That's a very poor motive for giving anything. Don't give your time. Don't give your talent. Don't give your treasure out of guilt. Give it out of love. It makes all the difference in the world. Today, we're actually going to talk about the treasure piece because we always uh, kind of brush by that briefly. But today, we're going to dive into it a little bit. So what I want to talk about uh, in this series, we talked about what is a steward to start with. If you missed it, you can catch it on our YouTube, on our Facebook, or on our website. Today we're talking about Treasure Island, because if I said we're talking about money, you'd go to sleep. But Treasure Island sounds appealing, doesn't it? Okay, work with me. All right. And then finally, we're going to talk next week about how life can be different when we decide to do these things and actually put them into place. This morning, uh, I want to talk about some of the stuff that we buy, because we buy stuff, do we not? Uh, anybody want to guess what the Americans spent $10.6 billion on last year? Oh. What was it? Coffee? Ice cream. <laughs> Both good choices, but no. We spent that on Halloween. $10.6 billion we spent on Halloween. Now, I'm not anti-Halloween. I'm just saying, $10.6 billion? How much does candy cost these days? Anyway, all right, here's a better one. It gets better. So, 30... $8 billion we spent last year on? What? <laughs> if their prices go up, it will be, right? Yeah, and maybe we should. Maybe that's a good use of money right there, right? $38 billion we spent on storage because we got stuff. Now, $38 billion is an industry in the storage facilities. Notice the, the highlight here. Despite a 55% increase in square footage in homes since 1980, since 1980, our homes have gotten 55% bigger, and we're spending $38 billion to store the stuff that won't fit in our 55% bigger house. And what are we going to do with that stuff? Uh, as Billy Graham famously said, I've never seen a U-Haul in a funeral procession. So you can't take it with you, right? So th this is interesting because we spend all this money, we feel like we have to make all this money, but how do you feel when I talk about money and your personal finances? Do you feel peace? Do you feel a sense of abundance? You feel like, oh, it's time to write the bills. Said no one ever, right? No, nobody says that. We don't treat money that way. This is how we feel. It's like stress. Oh, man, is there going to be enough? Is there enough money at the end of the month? No, sometimes there's not, and you have to finagle and do things. 
And so the last thing that you want, on top of the anxiety, on top of this, do I have enough to make it through the month? The last thing you want is your pastor saying, hey, can you give to the church? How dare you ask me that? Do you understand what stress I'm in? Well, do you understand that I joined a ministry to become a millionaire? <laughs> That's the same reason I joined the Air Force, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but there are, there are good reasons why we do this. And my hope today, by the end of our talk, we're going to talk about money. I'm just going to, I'm up front. I'm talking about money today. But here's the thing. I'm going to invite you into an adventure. I'm not going to guilt you into giving. If you feel guilted into giving by the end of the day, come up and talk to me. That's not my intent. My intent is to invite you on an adventure that will literally change our lives and the, the lives of the community around us, maybe even the world, maybe even 4,000 kids that get a Christmas box. I don't know. So this is not what we think about. Now, if you want to follow along in the, in the home, home uh, manual here, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is a go-to for me when I get stressed because there's a whole section. I call it the uh, uh, don't worry, be happy section of the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, if you start in verse 25, it's Jesus talking about how to not worry. And so in, in the context, this is right in the middle of the Sermon in the Mount, Jesus is talking about not worrying. And it starts off, this is actually not the verse I'm reading today, but I wanted to, to set this up. In verse 25, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. And then he goes on to use the examples. Of, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap, but God takes care of them. Look at the grass of the field. God clothes them wonderfully, even though they wither and die. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil, they don't work hard, but yet... Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So Jesus is telling about very material things, and he's saying, don't worry. But here's what I want to key in on. Verse 25 says, therefore. So word serve veterans, what do we do when we see therefore? We ask, what is there before, right? It, it, therefore means there's something I said just before that that results in this way of living. And I want this way of living for us. I don't want us to stress. I don't want us to worry. I want us to flow into the spirit and, and be in one with the unison, with the spirit. So therefore, we have to go backwards and see what's there before. That's where we're picking up today. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he says this. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we're going to skip a little bit because he wraps it up nicely when he says this. No one can serve two masters. Let me pause there. Let me, let me make sure we got this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. These are the words of God for the people of God. For these words, we are grateful. Did you hear that? We can't serve two masters. It, just, it can't be done. You can't serve God and money. We've got to pick one. Now, at the end, I'm going to warn you in advance, there's going to be a quiz, right? So just 
heads up, get ready, get your, your, your information together because we, I want you to pass this quiz. It's going to be important, right? So here's, here's the thing about this idea of money. It occupies our minds, does it not? Because we don't feel like we're going to have enough. Now, this is counterintuitive to me because when I think money in the earthly sense, I think I have to earn money because if I can earn money, I will have security. I will feel abundance. I will have peace because I have money. I will have happiness because I have money. But is that what Jesus just said? No, he's talking about worry because people are worried about those material things. And here's the counterintuitive part. If I want true peace, if I want a sense of true abundance, I have to pick which master I'm going to serve. If I serve money, I will have anxiety. I will have worry. I will have scarcity because how much is enough, right? If you ask some of the famous billionaires, there's a famous quote by one of them. I can't remember which one now, but he said, how much money is enough? And he said, one dollar more. There is no limit. There's, there's always going to be more. And so your mindset can become very scarcity oriented. There's only so much to go around. I got to get mine and I'm going to go get it right now. And then I'm going to hoard it and make sure that I have security. Any ever, anybody ever been through a, a really gross stock market crash? Yeah. You know what that security looks like, right? It can go like that. Has God ever crashed on anybody, abandoned you? You see my point, right? He's got a better rate of return always. In fact, for eternity. So if we want really, if we really want to experience peace and abundance, we've got to serve God. And God has very specific things that he says about our time, our talent, and our treasure. So we got to get our head around that first. The, the counterintuitive piece is if we want the peace, we serve God. If we want anxiety, serve money. Now, I'm not saying money is bad. Hear me out. Money is not bad. It's the what of money that's bad. The love of money. And why does God say you must love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Because he knows that if we put something else before that, we will experience all those other things. Anxiety, stress. Scarcity. We don't serve a God who is a God of anxiety, stress, and scarcity. We serve a God of abundance and peace if we serve him. See, that's the thing. There's a piece of us that has to play here. So we create treasure islands. We hoard. We bring it all together for that, that seemingly sense of abundance. But here's some interesting stats. This... This was a hard sermon for me to prepare. It's a lot of stats and numbers. They confuse me. But anyway, uh, so good news. Net worth is rising over $141 trillion in 2021. Way to go, team. Our net worth is doing good. Here's the bad news. Personal debt in the United States is at an all-time high. We owe $14.96 trillion with a T dollars. Man, are we in debt? We're behind the eight ball, it seems to me. And I don't understand how our net worth increases while we're at an all-time personal debt high, but hey, it happens. So these treasure islands that we create in a seemingly desire for abundance and security are actually killing us, like literally, with stress, with worry, with anxiety. We spend all of our health making money so that later we can spend all of our money taking care of our health that we neglected, among other things. We, we try to patch up relationships with money that we earned while we were ignoring the relationships. 
It just goes on and on. It's a circle. Because we're trying to serve two gods, God and money. We've got to serve one. No one can serve two masters. I think Jesus made that abundantly clear. So let me talk about some of the benefits of giving just briefly. It is better to than, see, we know this, right? We know this in our head, but do we know this in our wallets? Do we know this in our Venmo? Do we know this in our credit cards? Well, a quick look will tell you. Is this something that we practice or something that we preach but don't practice? By the way, I, I have my own issues here. I will share with you some of them later because when it comes to the three $38 billion storage industry, I do not have a storage unit. I'm here to say that I'm very proud. I have a three-car garage that we can only park one car in. That's, <laughs> see, that's how you get around that. Smarter, not harder, right? All right. <laughs> so some of the benefits of giving. Jesus is very clear on this. In fact, Jesus talks a lot about money. And he does say it is better to give than to receive. He also challenges us. There will always be the poor among you. You must care for the poor and the needy. Now, does that mean that money is bad? No, we talked about that. The, the love of money is bad. Does that mean that you shouldn't do everything that you can to make all the money that you can? Now, if you were here last week, what happened to the guy that had five bags of gold? Well, he made five more. And how did the master treat him? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been responsible for this. I will put you responsible for much more. Nothing wrong with making money. In fact, there's something wrong with not doing anything. Remember the guy that had the one bag? Buried it so that he could give it right back to him and didn't, you know, didn't want to mess with anything. Those words were different. Wicked, lazy, get out of dodge. I'm paraphrasing, right? So these benefits of giving, personally, when you give, you're in tune. That spirit, that flow that I talked about. There's a sense of purpose, a sense of calling that I am called to make so that I can give. That's very rewarding. In fact, many people would say that it has given them a sense of purpose. When you latch on to something that means something to you, and I'm not saying like I give because I have to, but if you really feel strongly that there are kids in this area that don't have food on the weekends, and you latch on to faithful kids, and you give to faithful kids with your time, talent, and treasure, you feel like you've done something. And you have. You've done something for the kingdom of God. If you feel like the world needs to know who Jesus is, and you contribute to Operation Christmas Child, you've done something significant for the kingdom of God. This will reign on in through eternity. Wouldn't it be cool if you met one of the kids that you gave a box to in heaven? Imagine that conversation. What would that feel like? Hey, you gave me that box. I know who you are. And I'm here because of you. Actually, I'm here because of Jesus. But you gave me the box that led me to Jesus. I can't imagine a greater reward. There there is nothing I could buy on earth. There is nothing I could invest in that would give me that rate of return to know that I made a difference for someone. Just even one, just one. But it doesn't end there because corporately we have a world that needs this. I mean, if you look at the needs of the world, those trillions of dollars that we are, are struggling with, there's trillions of dollars of need out there. Now, I'm not going to tell you, hey, go give up your storage unit, take that money and give it to Bill. Man, I wish I had thought of that earlier. No, no, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that. What I am going to tell you is that let's be stewards. That's what, remember, this whole context that we're talking about is being stewards. We are given something to manage on behalf of the king. So all I have to do is ask myself, am I doing something that benefits the kingdom? Would the king say, well done, or wicked lazy? 
So that's my litmus test for everything that I do. And sometimes I pass, and sometimes I don't. Here are a couple of key questions. Now, this is, I'm talking about Word Serve Church. When we set out to do the budget last year, I challenged the lead team. I said, look, uh, by the way, WordServe is stable. We're not dying. We're not going away. We're stable. So if you're, if you're saying, well, Bill's talking about money because we're about to die, no. We're good. We're stable. But here's the thing. We're stable in a rapidly growing community. If we stay stable in a rapidly growing community, we lose out on opportunities to impact that rapidly growing community. And so I challenged the lead team, and I said, are we going to let our money drive our ministry? Or would we rather have our ministry drive our money? And here's the difference. Well, here's the pot of, of uh, talents that we have, to use the parable, right? So we can only do this much, so this is what we'll do. I'm not saying being foolhardy. I'm not saying let's just blow the budget and do something crazy and get word serve in deep debt. I'm not that dumb. Well, actually, I am, but the finance team is not that dumb, so they're not going to let that happen. But here's the thing. If we've got this much and the community has grown this much, we can affect this much of the community. That's money driving your ministry. But if I say, what's the ministry? What is it that we want to do here at WordServe? We want to do this, but we only have this much money. What should we do? Well, we should let the ministry drive the money. That's why we're talking about money. Now, I'm going to get into some statistics later, and I want to say this up front. If you're giving at WordServe, you're doing an awesome job. You're doing fantastic. I'm not asking you to give above and beyond your tithe. What I am asking is, let's spread this news so that we can spread the wealth, literally and figuratively. Let's get more people engaged in this mission, in this opportunity. Let's encourage people to give of their time, talent, and treasure so that we can impact this much of the community and continue to grow the impact, not so that WordServe becomes famous, not so that people know who Bill Hogan is. I could care less if they know who I am. What I care about is do they know Jesus? That's the most important thing in all of this as a good steward. So do we let our money drive our ministry or do we let our ministry drive our money? That's going to be a key question now. I'm going to run through some slides here. That, uh, thank you, finance team, Mike, for providing these slides. But I want to highlight a couple things. Did you know that 52% of the people who attend WordServe are giving? Now, having what I just said before, WordServe is stable. 52% of the people attending WordServe have made us stable. You are giving generously. Thank you for what you're doing and you continue to do. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm inviting that other 48% to consider if you haven't given to WordServe or if you don't give regularly, to think about it. Do we want to let our, our money drive our ministry? Do we want to confine ourselves to this? Because there are a lot of other influences in the world, a ton of them. Not many of them are related to Jesus Christ. And that's the issue. I'm convinced that we have the answer. We know what it is. I just want to share that with the world. So I would invite you into this adventure, like I said, to, to share this with other people. Most giving is done electronically. It's pretty painless. You just set it up. It does itself. Um, and, and then you can read the other things. Obviously, the ministry needs are growing, and God is good. The other thing, uh, uh, giving support, these are some of the things that we do. So uh, I always stand up here in front of you and say we promise to be good stewards with whatever you give us of your time, talent, or treasure. But I want to give you an insight into the way that we approach, the way that we work with the world. So when we talk about Family Hope, Faithful Kids, Operation Christmas Child, Seedley Pregnancy Center, and the adoption of Huggins Elementary, 
we as a lead team decided that we want to do few things, but we want to do them well. We don't want to be that person that does a drive-by gracing, right? Just drive by, write a check, off you go, right? No. So we follow the two R's. We want it to be repeatable and relational. Because if it's repeatable, you can begin to form relationships with the people that you interact with. So if I go back to Sealy Pregnancy Center on a regular basis, I'm going to see people that know who I am and I know who they are. I know their stories. If I regularly visit Faithful Kids, if I regularly visit the uh, uh, Family Hope, that's what I'm trying to say, the, the food thing, you start to recognize people as they come through the line. You can form a little bit of a relationship. You can go beyond, hey, weather's great, isn't it? How you doing? How's everything with your family? Is your grandma doing okay? That's just that one little inroad that introduces the kingdom instead of the thingdom. <laughs> the thingdom is all about the material. The kingdom is about Jesus. So we select certain partners. They're strategic partners. I, I equated it with a, the lead team to juggling. When you juggle, you have glass balls and you have rubber balls. You cannot drop the glass balls. They will break. It will be tragic. Can you imagine saying, hey, faithful kids, we're just going to chop you off. No food for you. No, I can't imagine that. So faithful kids is a glass ball. But if there are other things that crop up, well, maybe they're a rubber ball because I've only got so many things that I can do. We're going to continue to juggle. I'll let the rubber one drop because the rubber one will bounce. It'll be there. And maybe later when I get more capacity, I can pick that rubber one up and maybe it becomes important enough so that it turns into glass. But we do a few things. We do them well. We do them repeatedly so that we can be relational. Because relational is the way that people learn to love Jesus Christ. That's the way this all works. That's the trace back to the money part. <clears throat> Family Hope, for example, in serving the words or the, the Fort Bend County area, these statistics might astound you. They did me. I work with them all the time, and they astounded me. 42,000 men, women, and kids received food through Family Hope. Again, that's not something that you and I can do. That's not even something WordServe can do. But when we pool our resources into the greater kingdom, which, by the way, is another strategy that we employ, we don't try to do everything, right? We, we partner with people who are doing things well. Because why should a group our size take on the leadership, the administration, the logistics, and all those other things that go into that? Why don't we go with someone who's already providing that? And you know what we bring? Anybody guess what we bring? Softball over the plate. Jesus, there you go. <laughs> we bring Jesus to whatever else is going on. Whether it's a secular organization or not, we bring Jesus to what they're already doing. See, that's maximizing the way that we can operate with our strategic partners. There's been a lot of thought and prayer into this. This isn't just willy-nilly. Uh, another one you might be interested in. 700-plus uh, parents have taken parenting classes finance classes, and cooking classes. Here's what I like about this arrangement, and this is one of the reasons that we do this. It's not just giving them stuff. It's not just giving them a fish, per se. It's teaching them to fish. So as they come in, you go, okay, you want to be a better parent? We'll give you a class on that. You want to learn how to cook the food that you get in that Family Hope line? Because I've never seen this. I don't know what to do with it. Great. We'll give you a recipe. We'll show you how to cook it. There's an online free cooking class for the Family Hope recipients. They can log in and see how to cook what they got. How cool is that? 700 parents. And that message is a Christ-based parenting class. 700 people have come through that. You know how I know that? Because the parenting class has two teachers. Guess who's one of them? 
me. Do you think I mentioned Jesus once or 50 times during that time we have together? You bet I do. And, and um, going forward, there's other things that we can do with that. But I just want to let you know this is very deliberate. The way we do things is very deliberate, very thought out, and very much with compassion and love as our motive, not personal gain. Also, we support the youth. I talked about the importance of the next generation. Did you know God has no grandchildren? God only has children. If we don't pass this faith on and we don't do it well, that could die within a generation. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but just think about that for a second. In one generation, this could all be gone. To what end? And not a good one. Not a good one at all. So a lot of things that, <clears throat> a lot of things that we do with youth. Uh, yeah, we, we play games. Yeah, we eat. By the way, if, you are, uh, if your thing is cooking, man, we would love to get in touch with you because these kids eat. In fact, there, there's been a couple times where it's like, is there anything left? No, oh, darn. <laughs> what a great problem to have, right? If you feed them, they will come. This is awesome. So we, we do all kinds, of, and like I said, we try to inject that service aspect, that word and serve into the youth as well. But most of all, we want them to learn how to apply their faith to daily life, just like we do. Not perfectly but just like we try to do, because that is our future. That is the future of the faith. Basically, I want to be a beacon. I, there is so many people, there are so many people coming into this area. It's astounding. We are the fastest growing county in the United States. Like I said that once before, that's hard to get your head around, but drive around. Look at all the new construction, the apartment buildings that are going up. These people may or may not know Jesus. I can tell you that they struggle because I hear stories. I see stories. Marriages falling apart, parents and kids at each other's throat, finances, debt, all this stress. Well, we can offer classes that start there and lead to Jesus. Want to know how to manage your finances? Yeah, we can do that. And by the way, while we're doing that, let's talk about how the Bible talks about money. Do you know there's a better way to live? And I'm not saying this because I'm all that. I struggle with it too, but you know, this guy, Jesus, he has really good things to say. I'd like you to meet him. Doesn't that sound better than, do you know where you're going if you die tonight? It's a far better approach in my mind. I want to be a beacon to this community so that people know Jesus. Not that they know word serve, or not so that they know me, but so that they know Jesus. So here are four steps that we can take word serve for our future. Number one, practice gratitude every day. Maybe even more so if you, if you struggle with this. Practice gratitude. And why do you start there, Bill? Because it's an understanding that everything I have comes from God. This isn't mine. I'm a steward. Remember what I said last week? Word serve is a church that doesn't give to God. I said that last week. But you know what I said after that? Word serve is a church that gives back to God because he has first given to us. And if I practice gratitude, I understand that everything I have comes from him. My gifts, my talents, my abilities, my ability to earn this money all comes from him. Why would I not give back? Gratitude frames it properly. The second one, analyze your priorities as you look through your checkbook and your calendar. These are the two, well, nobody uses a checkbook anymore. Look through your bank statement and your calendar. These will tell you what your priorities are. And this is a great quote. I wish I could remember who said it. You'll find your heart at the intersection of your time and money. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Third step, actually do a budget. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, there's ways you can do this in biblical standards. If you budget, you can plan for things so that the emergencies aren't so emergent, so that the, the things that crop up don't catch you off guard and knock you off of what you're doing. So you can actually think about what you might be able to give towards charity, towards the church, towards the work of the kingdom, as a steward would do. And finally, there are pledge cards. These are the cards that are in the back of your seat. I'm going to invite you to take that pledge card right out of the seat that's in front of you. And we did, a, we, we did a little sneaky on you there as I looked at the card. The two QR codes, one is for time and talent. So if you're willing to give your time and talent, snap that QR code. It will take you to a list of all the things that we can do here to serve in WordServe Church and the community outside. That's the time and talent. The other one is a treasure. If you want to give, if you want to work that out, snap that one, and you can give to WordServe. Neither one of those is a connection card. Fooled you. No, not on purpose. So, so if you want to do the connection card, uh, you will have to, to snap that one over there. But I want you to take these with you. I don't want you to make any snap decisions today. I want you to take this and pray about it. I want you to talk about it with your family. I want you to, to look and listen for what God is doing in this community and understand this great opportunity that is here before us. If we don't build now, this will pass us by. Somebody's going to do the work of Jesus Christ in this community. I'm not saying we have to do it all, but I'm saying I want to be ready. So when God calls and says, I need you, Lord, sir, to do great things, it's not a surprise. It's not anything that's caught us off guard. We know it's coming, and we have prepared for that. We have prepared the field to receive the seed. We have the logistics in place, the courses, the people, the talent, the abilities to make an impact, to be that beacon in this community. That's my prayer for WordServe, and these things will get us there. Here's your quiz. I promised it was coming. Multiple choice. Can hardly mess, right? Whom shall we serve? A, God. B, money. C, myself. D, A and B, above. Or E, all of the above. What's the right answer? A, 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 A. A. Now, here's the thing. A is only the right answer if Jesus is grading your test. The question is, who's grading your test? Are you grading your test? Are you letting society grade your test? Because they'll tell you you can serve God, money, and yourself. Are you letting the, the cultural trends grade your test, give you the assurance that everything is okay? Or are you going to base it in Scripture and what Jesus himself says? You cannot serve two masters. You'll hate one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The answer is A. Now here's the thing, Lord Sir. We have this tremendous opportunity coming to us. People from all over the world, literally, are coming here. We can influence their relationship with Jesus Christ. The only question that remains, are you willing to do what it takes? And I will tell you this, as you consider that question, he was willing to do whatever it took for us first. Should we not then be willing to do what it takes to make his kingdom great? Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us so much, so much that we often take for granted, and I am chief among them. God, I pray that you would put in our hearts a sense of gratitude 
not out of guilt, not out of duty, but out of a genuine understanding of what you've done for us. The light that you have brought into a dark world, the light that offers a way out for those who struggle with whatever. The strength that is renewed every day, the mercies that are new each morning, the forgiveness that keeps us on track even when we stray. The willingness to send the son to look for the one when the 99 were gathered already. And frankly, that one is often us. God, help us not forget the sacrifice that was made so that we would have this good news. Help us not to overlook the opportunity that lays before us as you bring the world to our doorstep. Help us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, his great mission, his great commission, and his great love for us. Let us love like he does. In Jesus' name, amen.